Hey, thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. It would mean the world to us if you'd follow us on social media at Restoration Church Gardner. Also, if you're in the Gardner area, we'd love to meet you in person at one of our gatherings. You can find out more at restorationgardner.com. I want to encourage you, let this be the season that you allow the Lord to do significant things in your life. Just, just make room and just say, hey, I know that this is a little uncomfortable. I get it. Trust me, I do. It's, it is a little uncomfortable to go to some place that maybe you don't know everyone, you just know a few people, or maybe you know no one at all. But I will tell you that one of the things that I've realized in my life is that God meets faith he just meets faith. And so if your heart is, I just, I want to go deeper. I want to connect. I want to let go of some things that I know that I need to let go of. But I have just struggled for years and years and years and finding ways to do that. I, I, I'm, 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 I just want to encourage you that God does something so special when you trust him through other people. He just does something really unique. And my story is not, not one of, like everything was fixed on a Sunday, but just year after year, meeting after meeting, conversation after conversation, the Lord used relationships to significantly change my life. And so I just want to encourage you. I know that it's a little, like for some of us, it's very, uh, it's scary. Um, and we're going to talk about some of that actually today, why that is scary and the pain that relationships can cause in our life. But I'm telling you, Restoration Church here in person and also those that are online, it is worth it. I'm telling you, it is worth it. So I just want to encourage you to sign up. Um, I also wanted to share a few updates as well, because um, God just continues to do some uh, some just unique things in and through our church family and in the city that we are we live in, we call Gardner. And so the first thing I want to say is that last week we had 39 children between the ages of, you know, this is, so this is one all the way up to um, fourth grade. And th- so, and th- those, those are in really small spaces. And we had 12 volunteers. So we had over 50 people that were involved with uh, kids ministry here at Restoration Church. And so I want to quickly give a shout out to all of our RC Kids team and say thank you for serving and discipling kids. Not just, our, our heart is not to provide just childcare, but really to minister and to disciple children. Help them to understand what does it mean to walk with Jesus and it takes a whole family to do that. So I just want to say thank you guys for just investing into our, our kids and just to say, man, God just continues to bless it and we're so thankful for that. You also may have noticed that last week it got a little cramped in here. Now, I just, I, I want to share this because as a church family, we're all a part of this. Like you are as much a part of this as me and Natalie. Like we're in this together, right? One of our, one of the things we say all the time, we're better together. And so I just want to quickly share with you next week when you show up, there's a things are going to be a little different. So first of all, we're doing something called super Sunday. So we're launching life groups. And then also we're celebrating the chiefs getting into the super bowl for the second year, which is super cool. I'm not going to pretend to be a sports guy. I know you guys like, yeah, I'm just, I'm not a sports guy, but I really appreciate um, how significant this is for fans. And, you know, you can wait a lifetime before you see your team go to the Super Bowl. We just got so lucky that we got to see it two times in two years, which is amazing. And so we want to celebrate that as a church family. Um, and so next week when you show up, we're going to have cotton candy. We're going to have popcorn. We're going to have a photo booth so that you can just do something that's just a, kind of a, you know, like a special Sunday with you and your family. We're also launching life groups. We're also reorienting the room. Now, this is important, not just for our church family that's here, but also for our online church family. Um, we're going we're gonna to change the room, and we're going to go this way instead of this way. 
Okay, and the reason is because it allows us to get more chairs in this space. We're trying to get everything that we can out of this space before we start adding services and things like that, which is really exciting. But we also, we, our, our call as pastors is to pastor people. And so we want to, we want to do everything that we can to maximize this space before we start adding services. Um, because let me just give you guys a heads up. There is no way that we would be able to do multiple services with the, the, uh, the volunteer team. We call them our dream team that we have now. And so, so there's two things I want you to do. One, I just want you to pray for wisdom for us as we continue to make best use of this space. And then second, maybe the Lord is calling you to come and to serve and not just to, not just to watch and, you know, kind of watch things from, a par, from afar, but to really get connected um, because we're just preparing for that. We just believe that God is continuing to bless and to do things that are a lot bigger than just Natalie and I and just the, the people that we have. And that just takes more people. And so I just want to thank you guys for um, next week. We actually did all this work last last uh, last. Uh, Last night, our team came and we set everything up and we re, uh, we readjusted it. So this essentially will be the stage and it looks awesome. I know that you'll enjoy it. Um, and so I just want to give you guys a heads up so that next week you weren't like, what happened? Like did someone hire a decorator that we didn't know about? And so we're making some adjustments with screens and things like that. We just want to say thank you guys for being patient with us as we grow and as we learn how to be good stewards of what the Lord gives us and sends us. So how many of you can thank God for that? I can. I'm excited. For all the things that God's doing. So um, we're finishing a series today called Closer. Um, look at your neighbor and say closer. Now, hopefully, you're, you're closer to your neighbor than to just some random person in this room. But I do know that closer really takes, it takes intentionality. You don't accidentally get close to someone. Closer happens through a, a desire, a heart, a posture Something happens and we just decide, I want to get closer to this person. In fact, I'll say that to, to people that I meet sometimes. And I don't say it to everybody because then that would be insincere. But there are just some people, like there's something about them that I just, I want to get closer to them. I want to get to know them. I want to spend some time with them. I want to invest into them. And our relationship with the Lord is no different. I know that many of us hope and, we are, and our desire would be we're just like through osmosis, we're going to get closer to the Lord. But the reality is that's not true. That when you read scripture and you look at the lives of the people that we admire or that we, um, we really want to be like when it comes to our Christian walk, that when we look at their lives, there are many, many things that they decided not to do or to do because of their relationship with the Lord. And it brought them closer. But you also know, if you've, if you've been alive for more than, you know, uh, two or three years, that closer can also make things, there, there's, there's hindrances to closer. There's, there's obstacles to closer. You may be online and maybe you say, hey, there's some, there's some real things that keep me from wanting to be close to people. And we've talked about several of those things. And today, I want us to really talk about the understanding of closer through pain. Because some of us have been, we've been hurt, we've been disappointed, we've been discouraged, and our, clo our closer has been stifled because we've just kind of given up because it's hurt, it hurts, it's painful. And to, to, the, the, the reality is, is that the thought of getting close to someone, the thought of being intimate with someone, like truly making yourself known, it frightens you, it scares you. It, it is not comfortable for you. When you start to think about this, you start to wonder like, oh, like I, I just don't know if I can trust them because pain has created gaps, chasms between your relationships. 
And our relationship with the Lord is no different. But I got to speak to some of the lies that I hear often, it, 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 not just in Christian circles, but especially in Christian circles. Things that we've, we, we hear and they sound good, but they're not godly. They, they, they sound nice, but when we really start to dig into them, we realize that this is not actually truth. So one of the things I want to ask you today is, what is God's primary goal for your life? Like Seth, you know, I'll just give you a minute. What is God's primary goal for your life? So just take a moment. No outside influence. What do you think? Because there, there is a school of thought within the Christian, um, we would call it prosperity gospel. People call it different things, name it and claim it, that kind of thing. Um, and so there are different things that people will call this. But if you're convinced that God's ultimate goal for you is to be healthy, happy, and wealthy, then you're a very confused person right now. Because the reality that you're living in is that I live in this world where there's both. There's both good days and bad days. There's both times when I have more than enough, and then I feel like I don't have enough at all. And so I want to say today that, just say it really clearly and plainly, that God's goal, primary goal, isn't for you to be healthy, happy, and wealthy, but to be holy. Now, let me say this a different way, because holy means totally different things to us than what, um, when people would hear it in this text. Holy means to be set apart. Okay, holy means to be set apart. So if I say, okay, me and Abby are going to be really, really good friends. We're just, I'm just going to invest. That means I'm going to, I'm going to invest. I'm going to do things different with that person than I'm going to do with anyone else. That would communicate to them our relationship is holy. It's set apart. So God, when he looks at your life, he's not saying, I want you to always be happy, always be healthy, always be wealthy. But he's saying, I always want you to be holy. I want you to be set apart. I want you to be uniquely identified as belonging to me. And when we submit to that, he starts doing things in our life. That if we look in the moment, would seem like, that would seem painful. That would seem harsh. That might even seem negligent. But it's because he's keeping the broader perspective that I am setting you apart. I am making you different. I am, I am treating you in a way that communicates that you are mine. And some of us, we've confused this. And we, we've, we've misinterpreted it. We've misunderstood it. So I want to show you this from some, some scriptures. Now, guys, I'll be honest. I have a hard time understanding how the wealth and, and, and prosperity gospel has so much traction because it is over and over again how God uses circumstances that are difficult to produce things that are good and godly, but they're not easy. And there's like, I mean, you can like go to any, like any, really any book and find it. And so I just want to just lay this out for you so that you understand it because I want us to understand how to relate to pain. So many of us are, are we're in painful moments and we're in painful, painful situations and we're misinterpreting it. We're misunderstanding it. And I'm going to get to that a little later, but for 2 Corinthians, so Paul's writing to this church. And he says that we live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us. 2 Corinthians uh, 6, 3 and 6. And that no one will find fault in our ministry. Now, how are they doing that? What are they doing so that no one finds fault? He says in everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. 
Now, some of you should start to feel encouraged. You're like, I thought that was just me. I was, I was talking to, uh, I was talking to uh, some friends this morning, and, and they were telling me about they're, they're working on this project, and they're like, we just feel like no matter, like we're always the, we're always the ones that everything that can break will break. <laughs> Maybe you feel like that. Just like whatever can be hard will be hard. Like we're, nothing's going to come easy for us or for our family. And I just want you to know you're, you're in great company. Because, and maybe, I hope this isn't you, but maybe it is. We have been beaten. We've been put in prison. We faced angry mobs. We've worked to exhaustion. We've endured sleepless nights. We've gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity. Paul's saying we prove ourselves by the way that we're responding to these moments. By our understanding. By our patience. By our kindness. Does this sound like fruit to the Spirit to you? It sure does to me by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love, we faithfully preach the truth. That's going to get harder and harder, guys. You're going to lovingly say truth to your friends, and they're going to hate you for it. And I don't want you to misunderstand that as you're doing something wrong. But I want you to know that when you look through the halls of faith, this is the story over and over again. We use weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us fake or imposters. We're ignored even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache. You may feel that way today. You may feel like my heart's aching. I'm grieved. I'm grieved over what I see. But we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. What I want to say to you today is that when we don't understand that there is purpose in the pain, then we misinterpret pain. And we see it as something to be avoided, or we start making wrong assumptions. Now, these are the ones that I hear the most common when I'm talking with people. These are the own feelings that I have in my own life when I start, a lot of things start going wrong. These are my kind of natural inclinations. So first, pain misunderstood will make you start saying to yourself, I must have done something wrong. I must have done something wrong. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought like, I just must have, I must have just gotten off somewhere because there's no way that it should be this hard. I must have done something wrong. The other thing that you might think is that God is mad at me or that God is, is he's paying you back for something that you've done in the past. This is when we start to misunderstand pain is that we start to look and see God as, as, as like, you know, trying to, trying to hurt us intentionally because of something that we've done. The other, and this is the one that um, I find the most common, is that there's no purpose to pain but there is, there is in the Lord's heart, in the way that he fathers us, there is always purpose in the pain. We don't always understand it. I want to share a quick story with you. So 
there was this king in, in Africa. He had this really, uh, really close friend, but he was kind of klutzy, and he just did a lot of, like, he just did a lot of, like, stuff that he shouldn't have done. Like, not the smartest guy, but super loyal and loved the king. And so the king gave him this role, and this guy's go-to phrase was, this is good. This is good. So anytime something happened, this guy would always say, this is good. This is good. So the king's getting ready for a hunt, and he has his 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 uh, his helper. This guy is... He he helps the king do whatever he needs to do. So he has him load the gun, do all the things he needs to do so he can go on his hunt. So he goes on the hunt. He shoots the rifle. The rifle blows off the thumb of the king. He looks at the friend, and the friend says, this is good. This is good. So he does what any king would do, and he throws that dude in jail. And he says, we'll see how good, you know, see how good it is. So he's just sitting in jail waiting. And in the meantime, the king is going, and he's ruling, and he's doing what he does. And he actually gets, he gets, uh, he gets, uh, he's, he's far away from his kingdom, and he gets abducted by cannibals. And these cannibals are going to eat the king. And this is bad. This is bad, right? And so, but they look at the king, and they see that he's missing a thumb. And they have a superstition that we don't eat anything that's not whole. So they let the king go. They let him go. So he goes back to the prison cell, and he's like, you're never going to believe this. You're never going to believe this. And he's like, this is what happened, and he tells him, and the guy says, this is good. This is good. He's like, you're an idiot. What are you talking about? You've been sitting in jail for two years. He said, yeah, but if I had been with you, I would have gotten eaten. So this is good. And guys, it's a silly illustration. I don't use illustrations that much because under much pressure, they kind of fall apart. But it is true that we totally misunderstand moments. And we take a moment and we judge all of it. And God can see the whole landscape of your life. He understands everything about all that you have done all that you are doing, and all that you will do. And because of that, God in His grace and His mercy will take us through seasons that seem unbearable. And He uses this for good. He uses it for good. So I want to talk to you about pain problems. Some of you, I I worry about you as a pastor because you're listening to people over what God's word says about you. You're, you're assigning what someone says about you as coming from God, and they're different things. Well-intentioned believers will say things will come from their mouth that has no relationship to God at all. And I'm just telling them that you needed to develop a discernment and an understanding of his word so that you can discern God's word from a person's well-intentions. I'm not saying that they're intentionally trying to hurt you, but I'm just, you're giving them so much authority in your life and in your mind and in your relationship with the Lord that it is, it is not him, but it is them. But you've assigned them to him, and so you're no longer listening to his voice, but their voice, that's a dangerous place. Because people will make you something that you're not. And God knows who you are, so it's so important to develop the sensitivity to his word. That's why scripture is so important. You need to understand how he talks. He has a way of talking and communicating, and it's different than everything else. 
I'm, that, is, that is the thing that made me fall in love with His Word is because its ability to get into the hidden parts of my life and pull out the hidden motivations that I would never tell. But through His Spirit, He would show and say, Dave, this is what's really happening here. And this is also true with pain. Pain points us to places that are hurt and damaged and wounded. But we are so afraid to walk through pain that it keeps us stunted. And that's what I want to talk about today, really, is your closeness to, to God is going to include painful moments, but God will use it for good if you will give it to Him and not trying to keep hiding it and making excuses from it and keep running from it. So there's several pains that Jesus promises how many of you are like, hallelujah, praise God? No, these are the tough ones, right? These are the ones that no one talks about. But because no one talks about it, we start to believe lies from the enemy that God must hate me, God doesn't understand me, or God's trying to keep me from something good, and that's just not true. So I want to talk about some of the, the pains that Jesus promises as he's getting his disciples ready for him to leave. The first, shouldn't surprise you, it's world pain. World pain. When I say world pain, now listen, I, I, I spent a lot of time in corporate America. Let me tell you that corporate America is fundamentally different in their motivations than Jesus. The things that corporate America values and the things that they celebrate and the things that matter to them for the most part, and there's a few exceptions. I'm not saying that every corporation is bad, but I'm just saying that on the whole, they're, they're very, very similar. And they're very different than the way that Jesus relates to people and the things that Jesus values. And so when you're living in the world and you're, you're, you're adjusting to their systems and you're working in the ways that they want you to work, there can be these moments where you feel like you're colliding. It's like, how can I both be a, a, a this dedicated follower of Jesus and also be an incredible employee? And there can be these moments where you feel like it's, it's exploding. There's a war going on. And I want you to know that's normal. That doesn't mean that you're weird or, or strange. It means that you're living in the life that God's called you to live, and you're also dealing with obstacles that the world can place in your way. This is what Jesus says, John 15, verses 18 through 21. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer a part of this world. I chose you to come out of this world so it hates you. Well, that's strong language. You know, it's like, why does it got to be hate? Like, why is it got to be like, why can't it be like, I don't like you, or we're going to break up for a while and then get back together? Like, why is it hate? The reason that it's hate is because the world cannot control a follower of Jesus. Your, your allegiance is to Jesus, and so you cannot be divided. And whenever it comes like push comes to shove, and you don't budge in the way that the world wants you to budge, then it creates hate. I can't manipulate you. I can't control you. You're the, you're the lone wolf. You're the one that just won't. Why won't you get in? Why won't you get in like the rest of them? And just like there's something deeper that motivates me than just money. Or just my W two, or just the, the, the you know the number of uh, of people that report to me, and it creates a lot of misunderstanding. He says, "This is the comfort." He says, "Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than than the master, and since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. 
And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. Now, I want to be careful here because what can happen is we can start to develop like, I hate everything, not Jesus. And that's not the way Jesus lived. Jesus lived in this world where he was not like the world, but he died for the world. That's the life that we're called to live. Where we're like, well, I'm not like you, but I will serve you. I'm, I'm different. I'm, I'm motivated by things different than you, but I will spend all of my influence, all of my resource to help you. That is the thing that will cause people to go like, what in the world? And you'll only be able to say it's because of my relationship with Jesus that I am this way. So there's, there's the pain in the world. I'm going to move on. I'm going I'm to skip this, uh, this verse. I can send you guys slides if there's another, uh, another passage that I referenced, uh, but you can go back to it. It's in James 2, uh, 2 through 8, if you want to read that on your own. The other kind of pain that Jesus promises, here we go. You ready? Church pain. Now listen, let's just keep it honest, okay? We're family. We're friends online. How many of you have experienced church pain? Yes, hallelujah, it is not fun. Church pain is a real thing. And it is devastating to the body when it happens. So let me read for you what Jesus said about church pain. John 16, verses 1 through 4. I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. For you will be expelled from the synagogues. This was the church. And the time is coming when those who kill you will think that they are doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. Now, some of you that feel pain, shame, where you're like, it must have been me. It must have been something that I've done. I want you to know Jesus told us about this before it would happen so that we would not, what does he say? Abandon your faith. When it comes to church pain, I want you to understand that the stakes are very high because your faith is at stake. Your faith is at stake. There has nothing that has ever happened outside of the church that is more damaging than the things that we've allowed in the church. And we've got to be honest about these things because if not, it is costing people their faith because they're looking at it and saying well either God doesn't exist or God doesn't care either way I'm out and the reality is is that God deeply cares Jesus deeply cares and we do not give up on the bride we don't give up on the bride if you tried to say I'm going to love you David but I'm going to hate your wife we would have a problem and we have divorced 
God from his bride. But we must also call sin, sin. And not say that it's something else because it's coming from the pastor or from the pastor's wife or from the worship leader. We've got to contend for the things that really matter. Because there is church pain. But God can use it if we will give it to him and not hide it. The other thing that you see here in church pain is that you will be misunderstood. I got to tell you guys, to be honest, I feel that way most of the time. I, I, it's like I don't fit very well into this box or that box or this box or this box. I don't consider myself religious. I consider myself a Jesus follower. And so the moment someone tries to stick me into the religious box, I'm like, don't put me there because religion has done so much bad. But I am a passionate Jesus follower, and I will give everything to follow him. But don't stick me in a box. And when you live this life that is passionate about people, but also truth and, 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 and right in your judgment of things, then people will start to misunderstand you. They will start to say, well, you're not Jesus enough. Didn't Jesus tell us this? He said, John came with, he was eating wild, you know, wax, and he was wearing weird clothes, and he was totally separate from the world, and you judged him, and I come eating and drinking, and you judge me. This is the way of the world. They'll disqualify whether you're too godly or not godly enough. That's what pain is. My heart is for you, but there are these things that are creating misunderstanding and miscommunication, and it creates hurt. Don't confuse things done in God's name as things from God. Can I, just, can I just take that off of you? That there's been things that has been said over you in prayer. They have been said over you in the private moments that were supposed to be from God, but they are not from Him. And because we have lost our ability to hear from the Lord, we're not spending time in Scripture. We're not spending time with Him. We're not listening to the Holy Spirit. We have become so confused. It's like someone's taken the cell phone from God and started sending messages with His name on it, but they're not His nature. And that's the church right now. It's so confusing. Lord, what is from you? What is yours and what is not yours? This is why it's so important. I want to keep saying this. You've got to spend time in His Word. Because you'll start to see these subtle lies that you've been believing. Even from family members. There's church pain. And then lastly, there's personal pain. 2 Corinthians verses 1 through 3 and 7. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of of all comfort. He comforts us. This is his heart. This is, this is who he is. Unadulterated, unfiltered, this is who God is. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can also comfort others. And when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. It is good, right? 
For when we ourselves when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently patiently endure the same things that we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort that God gives. There is purpose to pain. It is not trivial. It's not for no reason. So my question is, when the pain comes, where are you going for comfort? Because there's only one comforter. There's substitutes. There's things that we can go to instead of God, but we find quickly that they don't satisfy, that they don't heal, and they actually make the wound deeper. And what I want to end with is pain creates a deep opportunity for relationship with Jesus. Now, I do not say that um, lightly. I've shared this a few times, but it's been a while since I've shared this. Um, Many of you guys know that I was not raised in a Christian home. Um, I, I became a follower of Jesus at the age of 17. And up to that point, um, my life, my childhood was just, it was chaotic. It was, it was, it was crazy. Um, my dad and I just had this very, very dysfunctional relationship. And I've actually thought a lot about it since then, actually, and that I did not make it easy on my dad. I was rebellious and I was angry. I was, I was, I was mad. And so often I, my dad would be kind of on the other side of that. But I'll never forget this thing that happened. And my dad, um, he, he loved to drink. That was his deal. Like, everybody has their, their deal. My dad's was alcohol. And he loved alcohol. So much so that at a very young age, he taught me how to drive this old, beat-up, red truck. Red, it was a Red Ranger, Ford Ranger. And um, he taught me how to drive this thing. I, I don't, I was around 12 years old, and he taught me how to drive this truck. And we drive it on the back roads and dirt roads, middle of nowhere, Arkansas, because there were never any cops on the back roads. And I remember my dad driving, you know, doing this, doing the same route. And, and, and every, every, we would go there all the time. And one time we were, we were driving there, and it was in the summer. And if you've ever been in Arkansas in the, in the summer, it's so humid. It's so sticky. It's hot, but it's more than hot. It's like sleeping in wet underwear. It just grows. Like, it's just nasty. And I remember driving, and I was so hungry that day. I was really, really hungry. And I remember getting to the, uh, to the, alcohol, to, to the store, the liquor store. And, um, and I remember asking my dad, Dad, would you buy me a bag of chips? And my dad told me, with a straight face, hey, listen, I can't afford my, my alcohol and the chips, so you're not getting any chips. And out of all the things that had happened in my childhood, that was the thing, it's like, it like lodged itself in my soul. And I remember telling myself, I really remember telling myself this, that like you're not worth a bag of chips. That was, that was the thing that came out of that. And I became very insecure like not, I mean, insecure about everything. I was, I questioned everything. I wanted so bad to prove that I was something and someone. I remember my dad and my mom sometimes telling me, you know, you're going to be the guy that has, you know, six kids by the time you're 18. And, 
And it like really affected me. It really affected me. It really stuck with me. And so I can remember even at a young age, I was from Arkansas and I had this really southern draw. And when I get tired and it's late at night, it comes out. So if you hear that, you're welcome. But I remember starting to, re- I would read a dictionary beside my bed. I put it beside my bed. So 15, 16, I'd, I'd read these dictionaries because I just, I didn't want to be the dumb kid. I just wanted to prove that, like I had value, that I meant something. If to no one else but to me, and my goal was when I went, started going to school, started going to college, was that I could look smart even if I wasn't actually smart. And so that was where my heart was. And I, I grew up in the Bible Belt. I grew up in the place where they would talk about God. And guys, it made me so angry. So I get it if you're here and just like, that sounds so nice, Dave, but you have no clue. And it, and it might even seem insensitive to you because I get it. I've been there. Like you have no idea what what's going on in my life. So if you talk about a God that loves me, I will punch you in the face. That's how I felt about it. That's really how I felt. So 17 years old, I meet this guy named Mike Carvel, and Mike Carvel just starts investing into me. And I'm talking about personal pain. I'm talking about the stuff that nobody knows but you. I'm all the things that, they're, they're, they're the hangups for you. They're, they're like the reason you cannot come to faith because you're mad at God because of this stuff that's happened. And it's painful and you don't want to go there. You don't want to talk about it because it's complicated and you don't want them to judge you so you just stuff it all in. I remember going and Mr. Mike started talking to me and he just was kind to me. We were very poor and we always had roaches in our food. I mean, I know it's gross. It's just what it was. So I remember, you know, pouring out the cornflakes and roaches would go over. I was just like, move out of the way, man. I'm getting in here. It wasn't a big deal. It was just the way we lived. I didn't, didn't know. So they would invite us over for dinner, invite me over for dinner, and their food didn't have bugs in it. And he was kind to his wife, and he'd pray at the table. He was really grateful. He was sincere, but he was a man. You know, like he had stuff. He, had, he wasn't perfect, but he was, he was honest. And it was like a crisis in my life. Because I was like, Lord, I know that you're real because I see something different, but it just seems so far away. I just, it just feels like that. It's like another world. It's like another version of person that exists that I'm not. It was really difficult. And this guy, he came to church, and uh, he lost his son in a car wreck. And he told the story, and he just basically was sharing how important it was to tell people that you love, that you love them. Don't assume that you're going to get that chance another day. And so Mr. Mike gets up, and he turns around, and he starts telling he tells his daughter, he had, he, had, um, he had three daughters and a son. So he gets up and he tells his daughters, he says, sweetie, I love you. Sweetheart, I love you. Julie, I love you. He goes, he goes to his son and he says, he says, Michael, I love you. And then he gets in front of me and he looks at me. And he says, he says, Dave, I love you. Now, it was Mr. Mike saying it, but I knew that it was the Lord saying it too. It was like I needed some version, like an analog version of like, God, what's your real heart for me? Because I feel so, I'm so confused. I feel torn. I'm, 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 I'm in pain. I'm, I'm scared to death of intimacy. I don't know how to talk about this. And in this really simple way, the Lord would just say, Dave, you just give this to me. If you'll just trust me with this, 
I will use this not just for your good, but for others' good. So that's the same invitation today that it was for the 17-year-old Dave. God still walks through the aisles and he picks you up and he looks in your face and he says, hey, Cody, I love you. Hey, Aaron, I love you. Hey, Brian, I love you. I know you got stuff. I know you got things. I know that you're trying to work on it on your own. But this isn't the time for self-help. Would you let me help? Would you just give it to me and trust me? And every day that you feel the desire or the, the want to pull it back in your own hands, would you just give it to me again? And so since 17 years old, years old of age, I've continued to put that back in the Lord's hand. And that, that verse, Matthew 11, you know, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and you will find rest. That is a sweet, sweet verse for me because that's how the Lord feels about you. So would you stand with me? I want to I introduce you to Jesus. I'm just your spiritual tour guide for today. And you have the same ability that I have. I, I don't have favor because of my position or because of anything else. And so today, I just want to help you have a conversation with the Father. So if you're here or if you're online and you're carrying pain, you're, you're carrying world pain or church pain or personal pain, and you've been running for such a long time because you've been ashamed of your pain, Today, I want to introduce you to the Lord who made you and can heal and redeem and restore when we give it to him. So I want you to pray with me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. I want you to pray with me. Father, today, I give you all of my story. Father, I give you the parts that were exciting and awesome and amazing. And Lord, I also give you the parts that are broken. And I've just been ashamed of them for so long. Today, I thank you that you sent your son to live a life that I could never live so that I could live in you. And that you promised your Holy Spirit that would come and do things in me that I could never do myself. And so, Father, today I give you all of my pain. Father, I give you all of my shame. I forgive that person that hurt me because I know that today you have forgiven me. Lord, I trust you with my family. Father, I trust you with my future. Father, today I trust you with my soul. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, amen, amen, amen. We love you, and this is not the end. We want to walk with you. We want to help you. So on the Restoration Church app, there is a place where it says, I've made a decision. We want to send you some resources to help you. We love you.